0: Our ice didn't exactly form naturally. It's been forged by blood, sweat, and the Lone Star pride that runs through our veins. Our ice is Texas-born, and we're here to show everyone that Dallas Stars hockey is Texas hockey. Rugged, rough, and proud. Join the rush and be part of the excitement all season long. Individual game tickets on sale now at DallasStars.com. Welcome to the Podman Rush The official podcast of the Dallas Stars Presented by Truly Hard Seltzer Here's your host, Daryl Razor Ray
1: What's that? How brave are we? Maybe the bravest The Dallas-Fort Worth area is absolutely paralyzed by Ice Storm 23 And yet, Mike Heike Hi Mike Hey, how you doing, Daryl? <laughs> not bad and yours truly the the razor yeti are providing the Stars nation with a podman rush presented by truly hard seltzer hashtag warriors hashtag ice road puckers hashtag bringing it to the people huh this has been so easy to connect today with you Mike <laughs> uh and uh, <laughs> i i I I feel like we maybe should have stayed in our ice huts and not bothered but but then I think of the people and they need this. Oh. You are a tool for the people. You are the tool. Look, I I speaking of tools, I've seen videos on the the social or the various social media platforms of uh, people skating on the streets of the Metroplex. It reminds me of my youth, big difference though. I skated on the road to get to the elementary school tennis courts where we skated on the rink there that was you know watered and frozen properly with little boards and I did it all bloody day and then I skated home cried repeated and I I did that basically for 5 months so I do enjoy watching people throw the blades on and uh hit the cul-de-sac here I worry about about individuals, though, because this this stuff is not a smooth glissed surface. I mean, you can you can blow a knee out on this stuff, Mike.
2: Uh, they had a, a video on the uh, news last night of uh, renowned figure skater Ashley Kane, and she looked really good, just doing pirouettes did they, in the street.
1: Did they have a a, a title, a, a screen title to it that said Kane is able? Ha 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 Kane is able. They love that. They they love that in the news world nowadays. You watch news? You're watching I do. Really? Huh? Yeah. Local news. Yeah. Big supporter, are you? Me and Pete Delkus. You know, all they do is really they they, they just try to scare you. That's the whole purpose of news nowadays is just to frighten people. So that you'll continue to watch.
2: Yeah, get the ratings up.
1: Yeah. Not me, man. I just stick my finger out, wet it, it's cold. Wet it, put, stick my finger out, mm, it's getting wetter, raining. That's how I do it, old school. You know, uh, hey, it's, it's the all-star break. That's where we're at right now. And I'll be honest with you, I thought the all-star game was going to be last weekend, not this coming weekend. <laughs> I honestly did. That's how much I really care. I love that all-star, all-pro, all-whatever games are finally just a pit of who-gives-a-crap carnival dung, right? Like, they finally reached that point with all these games where it's just like... I'll give
2: them some points for creativity because I do think there is a small segment of the younger fan base that enjoys this stuff. So they so? to get to that. I do. Yeah, I think oh. the kids love this. It's like home run derby. I mean, the stuff they're going to do in the NFL. I think. Kids yeah, but would even love this.
1: even home run derby has has lost the panache of it, and it's like everything, like like the dunk contest, the home run derby when they first concocted it. Everybody that you wanted to go in it went in it, so it it was a true. Best of in that competition, like the three point shot back in the day had Larry Bird in it. Nowadays, you'd have Jack Frank in it, and you'd be like, "Who's Jack Frank?" Well, he throws up a few of these, I guess. He's pretty good in practice. Like the NHL, they they go to three on three. They they just gave up on the actual game. Kudos to them for that, right? <laughs> but yes. now we're now we're even talking in the regular regular season. About getting rid of three on three because it's become dull. Like it's it's the path that all these things follow. Yeah. So there are gonna be players playing for divisions they don't belong in. Every team is not going to be repped, apparently. And Florida, I think, is a fantastic location for it, but it's also a sunny place for shady people. <laughs> so that's my take on the n h l all star <laughs> you can't even, you can't even call it an all star game
2: you' have ever issued there
1: Darryl. we had we did away with that because it's not a game it's like a little mini tournament, and it's really all star weekend of events yes it's all they should just make it all star jersey signing that's really all it is. They just stacks of jerseys that the players have to sit there and sign away so that the n h l can can give them off to various sponsors and all that which is important right you want to massage those people it's what makes it all work and then
2: there is an opportunity to get 18 second segments to put on social media right and then that's how you sell the game
1: well maybe maybe look at the nfl are they still in hawaii or did they are they
2: no no have you not heard what they're doing
1: no i have not heard mike Skills
2: competition, I think, on Thursday. Where
1: though, where Vegas?
2: I think it's Vegas.
1: No, I, I, okay, I didn't know the location. If it's Vegas, I think, I
2: think, I think they're moving to Vegas.
1: Okay, that makes some sense, but they're gonna play flag football. They're gonna play flag football, football,
2: Mike. Circle and Mike, they're gonna um, play flag flag
1: football, and they're gonna play
2: flag football on Sunday. And the Mannings are going to coach against each it, other. Yeah,
1: it, it's just we're, we're gonna we're gonna maul the puppy that is the Manning brothers. Yes, to a point where the puppy ain't going to be breathing anymore. And I love them. I think it's awesome on Monday yeah. nights and that. But th- this just smacks of a complete give up to the point that they are playing flag football, and I guess you could use some, or there would be some similarity to. Three on three. But look, when a game is tied in the NFL, they don't just put on the flags and decide the game in overtime in flag football. We at least play three on three, which we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, the backups are being quote unquote named to teams for the uh, Pro Bowl. I mean, Josh Allen is not going to play because he's quote unquote injured but he's going to play in the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. He's going to play golf at Pebble Beach, but he's too injured to play in the Pro Bowl. Like You can't tell me that this stuff has not the shark. Uh, yes. The NBA, I have, I have no idea with the NBA. Their, their regular season games seem very all-star game-ish to me. Yes. I watched the start. Last night I watched the start of the uh, Lakers uh, at MSG and it looked like a really bad YMCA pickup game for the first, like, 11 minutes. They would go down and throw up a shot, and it would just be a brick, and then they'd pick it up, and they'd go down and throw up a brick. Like, it was just horrible. It got better, but it was horrible in the beginning. So, anyway, that's my diatribe on All-Star Games. I I'm I hear you when you say it. it is... Uh, social. It really is driven toward just snippets and bites and clips and. But are they going to are they going to do the costume party, shootout showdown thing too, at the skills competition? So.
2: Oh yeah, I think God. they they like they love that.
1: It, no, it's horrible. It's horrible. Admit it. It's not funny. Again, it's not, not even that creative. For,
2: yes, for an old man, it's horrible. For a young kid, is just falling really? in love with Jason Robertson. It might okay. be the best memory ever. All right.
1: All right. Well, then awesome. I can't wait to not see it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, years ago, there was a psychological horror flick out, and it was called We Need to Talk About Kevin well we need to talk about overtime this this stars group is not excelling in the 3 on 3 overtime that will be showcased at All-Star weekend in South Florida it's really the only area that they aren't just good in but elite in this season right yeah, like every, every every single in almost every game can- yes and it, it's not like they're just getting bad breaks in overtime like they're not good at it like no. they've been outshot outshot by a 2 to 1 margin like 30 to 15 in the overtime games they've played so you can't sit there and just say you know what they're they're running into unbelievable goaltending and they just can't get the breaks and this. no they're getting beat Throttled. In overtime. So I think the if, key word you said was psychological. Well, yeah, there's no question. It's in their, it's in their heads a little bit now, maybe more than a little bit like the best overtime teams this season, just in the three on three, forget about shootouts, uh, going to seven and one, but it feels like they've been seven and one for like three months. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't think they've gone to overtime for a while, but they're, they've won seven bones team up there. Got on a little bit of a mini heater and it continued on. Tampa Bay is 5 and 0, which would not shock anybody when you throw no, out. No, they got skill. Yeah, who they throw out um uh, from the goal on out. Uh the Avalanche, who are 15th overall in standings, are 5 and 1 in 3 on 3. And and they haven't had a lot of their guys. But they've had they've had Miko Rantanen and Makar for most of them, I guess, so that might be enough. New Jersey's seven and three. They're a good team overall too. Yep, they got all that skill. They got Jack Hughes just on a 82-game heater, as he calls it. Buffalo and Anaheim are six and three. and Seattle and Vegas are five and three. Those are the best teams in three on three overtime. It's kind of all over the mappish, though, right?
2: Yeah, and how people are doing it also. I think well, like, there are like, some teams with young speed, and then I haven't watched Winnipeg, but just watching Rick last season, he really did like to put a good defensive group out early and then survive that first forty seconds, and then get the better matchup on the on the shift change. I mean, I do think that was part of his strategy in, in running Raddick and Essa or whoever else he had out there. Is that yeah? Hey, if if we well, yeah. don't get scored on yeah. and then we get I, 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 our best players out there against your second best group, then we have an opportunity to win this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And and there are some teams that will put out their best face-off guy just to win that draw and then change. Yes. And have possession. It doesn't doesn't mean you're necessarily going to score the first time you get the puck, but uh you know, I like I look at all these teams and I'm like, well, the stars have a lot of what these teams have too. They have a lot of the same things, but it's kill or be killed in three on three overtime to me.
2: Do you think that Miro is taking too much of the pressure? I mean, cause Pete has talked about patience, 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 and Miro doesn't look patient out there. He looks like I want to win this. It's my job to win this overtime.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. I had a conversation with Haskin in about overtime, and he was, you know, again just firing off one laser bing uh, opinion after another. No, he was <laughs> he was very pragmatic and <laughs> like, yeah, you know, you get on a bit of a bad way, and it's uh, you know, it's streaky, and and he's right, uh, but there was no. There was no real insight into, you know, I just want to hit the gas. There's the one thing about Klinger, like you knew with Klinger it was it was you know full throttle. Yes, I want to go win this thing. I, and sometimes it blew up in their face because there was no patience with that. But I'm telling you that that group, when they tr- trotted out Sagan, Ben and Klinger, man, it, it was church a lot, huh? Yeah like it, it just it just was. It was a superb trio but they they should be able to concoct the same thing. They should be able to put together a a trio of of or two trios of of guys that can get it done, but there has to be that belief. And yeah, they've they've worked themselves into a rut. Uh you know, they they've been outplayed, yes, by a sizable margin, yes. Uh which means that you need you do need saves to survive, too. And Jake it's weird watching and it hasn't just been Ottinger, both goalies have been in for some of this. Uh remember his his rookie year it was just it just would never turn for him in overtime until late. I think he he started to get it. And uh, to your point, Mike, you might be absolutely right that they they just put too much pressure on themselves. And with that they they're they're just paralyzing themselves. In overtime, yeah. whether it's a a goaltender, a defenseman, a forward, what, whatever it is, uh, and it's easy to just say, "Well, why don't they just go for it? Just just be aggressive." And I think there's some some of these teams on this list. That's what they do. Like a team like Anaheim, do you think they care? They just go for <laughs> it. That that that's a tough opponent to play against. Buffalo's probably the same way. I think New Jersey plays that way all the time. They have, Jersey has
2: a lot of speed,
1: so. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, the one thing I, I, I've thought of is, and it seems weird with this group, like they've outscored teams in opening periods. They, they, haven't, they haven't blown a lot of teams out, but they've outscored them. They, they're plus in the goal differential. Third periods, they've outscored the opposition by a lot, and they've needed to in some games just because they've been behind. They've had to play catch-up, but they play great in third periods. Second periods, they don't. Some of their worst periods of the season have come in that middle frame with the benches on the other side and and you get into three-quarter ice game and and all that, right? But it's a more skating game in second period. And obviously, when you get into overtime and you're using the full sheet of the ice and there's only six players on the ice, it's a skating game in overtime. And those are the two periods where they have not dominated. You know, they... They they've kind of treaded water for the most part in second periods, but when you witness it, some of the worst segments have been in second periods. And then overtime, yeah, they get trapped in their own end. Overtime's just been a disaster. It just it just has been. So seems like something you should practice. And uh, and yes. I and and there therein lies another of the problems that they faced with the way the schedule has gone. They they don't have any time to practice they they have not they they have morning skate do you really want to really want to play 3 on 3 at morning skate maybe you do but they they I, they spend I, I would do it I'm yeah, maybe, maybe we're at that point they spend a lot of time uh on special teams for good reason uh and they they really drill down on they they run power play almost every morning skate they go through that yeah. that stuff when they do skate uh and then they're just normal morning skate routine uh, they're going to get a ton of practice time upcoming because they don't play very many games. They're at home almost exclusively. And and they're going to get a chance to, I, I would be shocked if they don't work on, on some three-on-three and try to figure it out uh, and try to get some some uh, muscle memory and, and good habits. I remember, and you do too, when the shootouts were coming in and Dave Tippett was coaching the team back in 2005, right? Yes. And and he was one of those – I remember very vividly he was one of those coaches that, that didn't just say, well, you know, we're not going to practice it. It's just a shooter and a goaltender. They know what they're doing. They worked on it, and they were by far the best shootout team in the NHL in that infancy of shootout. And and it wasn't just because of who they could trot out. That was a big part of it. Nice when you can lead with Sergei Zubov, but – it, it was that they they had worked on it, and, uh, and from that, it, they were the best at it.
2: Yeah. It's interesting watching uh, Joe Pavelski tip pucks or the power play work on quick puck movement because it really does show that practice is going to show up in a game, that if you really work on your craft – Uh, then it becomes second nature when you're out on the ice. Hmm. And I think there is a a good reason why this power play is so good. I mean, they move the puck quickly, and they practice moving the puck quickly. And, you know, they have not practiced three-on-three overtime that I've seen hardly at all. And I think that shows on the ice as well.
1: Yeah. I'm leaving. I'm looking for something right now, Mike. Keep Uh, talking. Okay, uh, so then Pavelski,
2: he tips the puck. Well, he gets out there early, and he works on how to tip, where to put it, how to just get his stick on the puck that's being See, shot
1: now, by now one of his you just sound defensemen. like you're condescending. You're patronizing us. <laughs> Stop it, Mike. <laughs> See, practice, perfect practice. Yeah, perfect. you know, it'd be a very interesting deep dive into overtime to to figure out, whether these top teams practice it or not, or if yeah. they just got going in the, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I remember we were in, I think we were in New York and uh, DeBoer named head coach of the, the division. Maybe it wasn't New York, anyway, where, wherever it was. And I asked him about coaching overtime. Like how much coaching is there in three-on-three? Because three? it seems very individualistic, right? Like you can put certain players out there, but, you know, how much can you actually dictate what goes on? Because it's such a, uh, you know, it's man on man and it's all over the ice and all that. And, uh, yeah, I think he was he was like 50-50, resigned. Uh, there's certain things you can do. And, and he's obviously tried to get this group to play or at least have a, a certain mindset heading into overtime. And, uh, and yet it's, it does seem like it's such a, okay here are the, here are guys that are gonna play uh you know and i I said it on the air when we were talking about it you you balkanize your lineup in order to play three on three overtime like it it gets carved into these little groups of of individuals, whether it's a a group of three or it's just gonna be these six or seven players. Half your team doesn't play in in overtime so it's your best players and and their skill, and you try to put them. I would think into uh, circumstances where they can use that skill and that that on ice hockey IQ and get it done. And then there beyond does
2: seem that, to be some be- change in strength. Yeah, say, there, there is. There be- is,
1: and but beyond that, it's because
2: they're so patient a lot of times now, where they don't do anything; they just take it out of the zone, circle around, wait for who's. Who, you who know, do you mean by they? They're waiting for them. Yeah.
1: the stars or in general.
2: Uh, in general, I've yeah. seen other teams. Yeah, yeah, right now. yeah. But granted, no, Colorado. What was McKinnon just took three runs at the net until he scored. <laughs> if, they, if I remember that overtime correctly.
1: See, see, like, I don't know. I, I, I think, I think you should do that. I think you should just, you should just absolutely go for it. Just go for it, and then yeah, let your best player
2: just. Take if a you run. don't,
1: if you don't get it done, then you they go back the other way, and if they make a play. They make a play, uh, but it it just you know being being sort of one foot in and one foot kinda at the line, but you know what I mean? sound like Romo now uh, and, and and you <laughs> and you just you just just go, just go, and, yes. and the, the other thing with overtime is th- they're going to have to if they're going to continue on with this they're, they're going to have to rethink what is allowed as far as the, you know, kill the excitement of this thing and drift back and pass around and, and all that. Like, I I honestly think that once you take, they should make a rule. Once you take the blue line, you, you can't go back. Like you have to make some, you have to try to make over
2: and back in basketball.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like you have to make, you have to make something happen in there. You can't bring it back out. If you do, then they're going to blow the whistle. And I don't think anybody, even if they said we're going to blow the whistle and have a face-off, I don't think anybody wants to take the chance that you're going to win that face-off. And now you had possession. Yeah, possession. And now they have possession. You know, you can't change. Just say, well, you, you can't change your personnel on the ice. Because a lot of times when teams bring it back out, they're exhausted. And they're trying to get fresher players on the ice against the other side. So if you just said, okay, if you, if you take the line and then you bring it back out again, we're going to blow the whistle. It, just like on an icing, you're not allowed to change. You might have exhausted guys out there, and then we'll go and start it from that again. It would be one of my ideas anyway to keep from them repeatedly doing that, which I think is, is awful. It looks, it looks terrible. Yes. I don't like the uh, This league sugary. needs a
2: commissioner of aesthetics, don't you think?
1: Oh, my God. Do they ever – the commissioner, though, thirty year anniversary. It's shocking. Thirty year anniversary, they just had, or he just had. Is it today or yesterday? Yeah, it's good so, for okay. him. It is good for him. Yeah. Um, there's no easy segue into uh, this. Ne- I was trying to find some notes I had on this next little bit. I was going to talk about shutouts because I'm allowed to talk about shutouts when there's no sh- <laughs> shutout in in play and uh, I can't find I can't find my note. Isn't that terrible? I blame it on the ice storm, Mike. I blame well, it on the I ice. Well I couldn't storm. find
2: my uh, microphone cord so yeah you I blame that on Brendan.
1: Okay. Yeah. Blame myself. Uh, before everyone clicks off let's move forward to uh Bobby Hall. Or as he's known around here, Brett Hall's dad. The the golden jet passed away uh, this week, and I had a few interactions with him when his boy was chasing the number. It was 610, right? Yep. Uh, the old man's number in, uh, back at reunion and, and that, and uh, he was round. It was such a – it was an odd relationship and weird times and all that, but what a significant number to have a father and son both – eclipsing the 610 goal mark in the league. Just incredible. Yes. What I remember. Bobby had
2: what, 300 more in the WHA, I think.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah. That's where he truly was, the Golden Jet, you know, playing for the Winnipeg Jets with those Swedes. Uh, I remember the Bobby Hall blade, uh, which was a plastic hockey blade for road hockey that you would slip over top of a a wooden shaft. Uh, But – more importantly, it was one that you could easily curve. And me and my buddies would heat it up over the kitchen stove and then ram it under a door to bend it like some kind of deformed banana and then head out on the street. And man, you could hammer tennis balls with that thing. No control whatsoever. Zero. No. Uh, and his actual stick was curved like a banana, one of the very first, if not the first, to do so. him What, what was it? like him, Stan Makita? Did boom boom on do that too? with Montreal: uh, I just
2: heard of Makita and, and Hall in Chicago, but I wonder maybe I boom think boom did. I think
1: boom boom did too, but I'm sure it was after I'm sure it was after the fact. Uh, and that curved blade made a the puck go faster. Be rise quicker and at times be just absolutely uncontrollable. And with that, you got to remember the time, like Goldies were just then adopting masks, and many were barefaced still. yes, and Hall shot terrified them, like terrified them, like fear for your life terrified. Yes, Not that you'd get a, a bruise or something. Like, like he would smoke that thing, and I, I think there was times when he'd get shallow and just waste one. There, were, that was a time when guys wasted one up high on goaltenders, and you yeah. could see goaltenders pulling up for the fear of getting nailed in the in the melon uh, with a shot that he could, you know, he could rifle it at close to, if not, a hundred miles an hour. He had the big Popeye arms on him and and hammer away, so. That was kind of mine. I am I'm, think of when that fear factor left the position of goaltender. When you
2: got all the pads and the,
1: and the you know, motorcycle helmet mask. Uh, motorcycle it, it took probably that long. Ma- what the hell is a motorcycle helmet mask? Explain. You know, it. Not
2: like uh, the old uh, Jason uh, killer mask, the actual <laughs> helmet that fits over your entire head. Wow.
1: Wow. I've never had it described to me that way.
2: Yeah, you mean it's just like you strap that sucker on, and
1: you mean a like you molded to your face shopping. fiberglass mask? Yes, just like that. That's the it, what is it? The Jason mask? That's your yeah the Jason description mask of it. The a, J. Okay, so the, the
2: one with the, scars the
1: mask. <laughs> the mask killer mask versus yes. the motorcycle what uh, helmet?
2: Motorcycle helmet mask.
1: Motorcycle helmet mask. Huh. Never thought of it that way. It was, I think, what you're speaking of is an actual hockey helmet mm-hmm. with the wire cage attached to it mm-hmm. that was popularized right after Vladislav Trechak played against the uh, Canadians in the Summit Series in 72. And that's where that cat eye cage came from that mm. you see every goaltender in the NHL use now yeah it looks it
2: looks safer well
1: you're absolutely correct it's not as much fun though mike you admit that like yeah i agree i I love the old pictures of goaltenders with eye hole fiberglass masks on they look like they're not human they look like they're some kind of superhero back in there it's just so much fun so and I'll, I'll
2: give you another one. This is a story I always love to tell. Andy Moog, back in the uh, second or third season here, uh, showed me a picture in the top of his locker of Gump Worsley with no mask on. And Andy said to him, it looks like Gump is moving his face, his bare face, in front of a puck to make a save. And that's how much he wanted to make a save. So Andy used that as motivation to, that's how you stop. That's how you play goalie. If you have to use your face to stop a puck, you use your face.
1: Yeah. He had it when we were in uh, Edmonton. He had it stuck above his seat in his, in his stall, the gumper. And, yeah, I mean, Glenn Hall and, and those guys back in the day that, that would put their, their faces in front of sticks, pucks, skates, you name it. And then along came Brett, or, uh, Bobby Hall, with this with this strength, you know, farm boy strength, a slap shot that had just been introduced, and then along with it, a big banana curve in your stick. And it just, again, frightening beyond belief. So when the equipment improved, I think the true fear factor left when, like it was still there when I was playing in the 80s because it's still it still hurt and you could still get severely damaged, but the equipment improved. And, and I'm not joking about this. Like one, one of the biggest improvements was in the cup, uh, the mask. Yes. (laughs) But we all wore this, wore this old, this old foam cup that Cooper made that it, it didn't really tuck the boys in. Okay. (laughs) If you know what I mean? Like I do like, the, and we still played the position where we would do the splits and stuff like that, and bucks would get deflected, and they would go, you know, up into the into that that area, the near, near the, region, the, the berries, and there was no protection. You get you get nailed on on there, or even if you if it did hit the actual cup, and it had, it was like a player's cup, but it had this this thicker foam around it. Um, a denser foam in that, but it would it would hit that, and it it would hit it with so much force that it, it was basically like having them on the table, and somebody just bang, you know, hammer. I'm telling you, you want to see pain go through the body in a hurry. It, it would then just slam down a foam book, right? right on top. So <laughs> some guys that were more were smarter than others would wear two cups. So they they would wear a player's one underneath of the goaltender one, but it was very cumbersome in, in that in in that region in the groinal area. And then with the uh, I think it was John Brown and a few of these companies, Vaughn came along with one that basically just covered everything down there. Um, right, you know, there you had protection all over in that area. And then you had protection all over in your upper body, and your torso, and you had protection on your hips and your pants, and you had protection on your knees, and you had protection on your throat. You had, you know you're well protected to a point where when when the the pure butterfly goaltenders came in, where they just dropped on every shot, that that's when you knew that they were so padded that there was no fear, and they were just going to drop down and use every inch of what they had, including their heads, to just block area. And you you rarely see goaltenders leave a game because they got hit with a puck in any way, shape, or form, or break anything. Yeah. Uh, You you know, probably still some bruises here and there, but not like it was back in the day. Man, if you'd have told goaltenders back then, yeah, you know, just just butterfly, go ahead, just drop down in a butterfly, and who knows where this thing's going to go off the stick of Makita and and Hall. There's no way, they they wouldn't have done it. So the, the today's goaltenders are so much more athletic. They're bigger, they're better coached, and they have zero fear of the puck. Yeah, zero. That wasn't the case Which back in good. in Bobby's day. I agree, it is good. It's a good thing. Although I would like them to have just a just a tinge of. I think their only fear now is embarrassment. How's that? <laughs> <Hey>? <laughs> Give up. Give up oh. 10, something like that. Uh, what do you think about the, the whole shutout thing? When Ottinger lost his shutout with less than a second remaining in regulation at MSG, I got the usual blame on Twitter for it because <laughs> uh, I think I'd use the word uh, shutout. You have in the past. For the nine millionth time, what broadcasters say has zero influence. And I always cite the great Vin Scully. Vin Scully said no-hitter nine times during a guy trying to secure a no-hitter. Vin Scully. And Vin always uh, said the same thing, that I have no impact on whether this guy continues through with a no-hitter or not. Zero. So I'm not going to dance around it. And sometimes I get caught in the verbal gymnastics of talking around one as it's being combobulated, I guess. And I'm embarrassed by the fact I do that. You know, I'll just say clean sheet and bagel and donut and, you know, all this stuff. and anything other than shutout. Goose egg. It's ridiculous, is it not? Well, Daryl, I'm sitting in my chair and I'm not going to go to the bathroom
2: until Jake gets a shutout. So I think I'm trying to help Jake. Uh, it seems like you should <laughs> try it. to help him too. <laughs>
1: I should try to help. And, and in fairness to me, in that game at MSG, I, I think I referred I, – I didn't refer to his shutout at the time. We might have to get some kind of a ruling on – I believe I was referring to no team wants to be shut out at home. Uh, now, that, sh- that should be passable. Should it not? Yeah. It's even not, in the super in fan, big ear, elephant ear, I can't believe he said that thing. Huh?
2: It's not even the word shutout. It's shut out. Two different words. Completely there you different.
1: Go. A ruling has been made. Thank God you're on this podcast. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of using your words to, to put the heat on or mess up or whatever it is, you put the heat on depth scoring. Didn't you? I did do that. And the result was? <laughs> It came yeah. through. See the power you have of the used-to-be pen, well, now keyboard that, or so. whatever?
2: So Brendan and I were waiting for Jason Robertson so we could do a video. And uh, Raddock was in the locker room. And I just I got in one of those roles where I'm a little bit of a smart aleck. And I started calling him old. And, and then Nils Lundquist said, yes, you are old. And uh, he was getting all flustered. And then he went out and scored three goals in the next two games. I said, "See, see, I put the heat on you, and it paid off." Again, I I don't know that the words that are in the internet or on a newspaper have a whole lot of
1: performance on the internet. That's the tiger bomb that that hits hard, hard. No, I was that. It's
2: did you say tiger?
1: Tiger bomb. Tiger bomb. Tiger. You Canadians. Uh, Hey, (laughs) the commission said nobody tanks. And he cited the weighted lottery. And I agree. Nobody that is in the fight tanks. Management, through both action and inaction, they tank. I I think it should be referred to as... As the more eloquent self sabotage, I think they self sabotage their own workings in order to rebuild with a prime draft pick or draft picks. Would you agree with that?
2: Uh, particularly
1: this season, yeah. yes. But uh, there's now some of them they they, they have
2: some, the natural problems that they have. I mean, what's Arizona. Twenty million under the cap and playing in a five thousand seat arena. I mean, the guess is they're going to be in the mix on this one.
1: Yeah, but twenty million under the cap is not the coaches doing or the.
2: No, no, I'm saying some organizations are already in the. So it wouldn't it would make sense that whatever management would try and do at the trade deadline, whatever uh, to you know leave a guy in junior hockey this year uh, if that's going to help them get Connor Bedard. So. I, Manage, I, I think every organization does it. Uh, I will say that players and coaches, the ones that I've run into, even in bad years in Dallas, they want no yeah. part of that. They, they want to win everything.
1: Again, day. management through both action and inaction. Tank. So I got thinking, what if the Stars self-sabotaged when they fell into bankruptcy, so I'm talking what would that 0-9, 10, 11 drafts? Would that be them? So if you look back at that, I've, I, this is pretty fascinating, isn't it?. Mm-hmm. 2009, they took Scott Glennie at eight. They, they picked eight they picked top 10. But as we've learned through all the years, man, if you're not picking in the top three. You know, if you if ain't first, you're last. I think Ricky Bobby said that. I think he did. So, 2009, they take Scott Glennie at eight. Let's say they could have chosen first or second. Well, Tavares and Hedman went one, two. Okay. Yep. Okay. 2010, Jack Campbell, goaltender at number 11. Who went first and second? Taylor Hall, and Tyler Sagan. Do you go to 2011? Moved down a little bit. Team performed a little bit better. Jamie Alexiak was taken at 14. If you pick first or second, probably Ryan Nugent Hopkins or Gabe Landeskog, captain of the Colorado Avalanche. So with all that said and everything, in that in that little span of time they actually ended up with a player that they would have likely have taken if they'd have moved up if if they'd have been that bad that they could have moved up to first or second overall in Tyler Sagan yep that's all you have is yep
2: <laughs> uh You know, okay. one, that's interesting that Sagan ended up here. Uh, Two, this goes back to Joe Neuendijk, uh, who, you know, I think had tried to get a number one center, but couldn't do it. And then when Jim Nill came in, he got two number one centers. So that's not a slam against Joe. It's just, you know, somebody else came in and said, we'll find a way to get this done. But then the other thing with Joe, and and I use this reference in writing uh, many years ago, is that he is like the guy in a knight's tale uh, who has his team and is saying, I'm a knight. I'm an, and you know, everyone's saying, No, no, you're not a knight. And he's going, no, but I am. Like he truly believed that his team could win and he was going to manage them in a manner in which he was going to make them a winner no matter what. He, he was that competitive, yeah, yes. and that confident. And so then if he would have, you know, if we would have let the guy from Anaheim run the show, what was his name? The president who came in, Tavares. oversaw the bankruptcy court. Yeah, Tavares. Then it may have been a first or second overall pick. But Joe just, he he wanted no part of that. He wanted to win. And and I think, you know, in, at the time it was very admirable. Uh, when you look back and, and see what, Chicago did with its early round but, picks. But but I think that's Pittsburgh I think that's with, kind of my
1: point too though. My yeah. and and I I agree with all that and you you cannot fault Joe Noondike no. for getting this kick at the can and and wanting to do exactly what you just laid out. Um you're, you nobody want yeah. nobody wants to sit there and go, "Well, look, we're run by the league right now. Let's just go down the drain and and pick high." Because it like if in some years you would have got Connor McDavid, you, you know what I mean, or, or this year Connor Bedard, yeah. or, or you know Connor for yeah. real, maybe one year. It's a hot uh, movie reference right there. But th- during those three years, that those were the six players that went one and two, and yeah, you know, and they're fantastic, phenomenal. NHL upper echelon NHL players, right? Um and there are Stanley Cup winners throughout there. Uh, the captain of the Leafs, the captain of of the Colorado Avalanche right now. Like you you got a lot of you got a lot of talent within there. But that's why I think when you get into these seasons like this year or in some of the previous ones where there is a generation type player man you better do everything in your power cuz it can change your franchise for you know for a decade or 15 years yeah. uh that, no, that you can go and back some and other, other good look at stuff
2: some, some of the stanley cup champs and think what would chicago be without kane and taves what would pittsburgh be without malkin and, and crosby i mean those washington were without ovachkin that's what i mean yeah 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 so it and it does. It changes your franchise for a yeah. decade.
1: Yeah. And that's why you're seeing these teams want to win but lose all together at the bottom of the overall standings yeah. in, in a opportunity, get the best opportunity they have in a weighted lottery system to pick this kid who's who is playing in Calgary tonight against the the Calgary Hitmen Regina Connor Bedard plays for the Regina Pats. It's going to go first overall. They they have sold out they have sold out the Saddle Dome for this junior game tonight. Like they'll they'll have 20,000 people in there. Which is just
2: LeBron was playing a yeah, high school yeah, game back like in the day just at a, unheard of. At a He's 20, one of those seat Arena. He could have sold He's one out. of those.
1: Yep. Uh and so are you Mike. You're one of those. <laughs> Uh, that, that's it. That's all I can muster on a on a uh, snow day like this today, cooped up inside, enjoying the break. Hope the guys are getting all the the sun, they all the vitamin D that they can absorb to go into the post All Star break breach and we'll berserk, finish as high as they can, win the division and then march in the spring to a Stanley Cup final and hopefully a Stanley Cup victory. That's what I have on my docket for the rest of the year. Of course, I should have gone to a beach somewhere. I <laughs> myself for staying here during the break instead of flying somewhere, honey, because I am an absolute moron, thinking again that I'd be able to golf and get around and go for dinners, you know, just kind of frolic. Frolic in the Metroplex. Nope. Misery. I'll tell you what, never again. Never again, Mike. Uh, you always learn from your mistakes. I don't. Though, I do I, this I every year. Every year, I think it's <laughs> going to be sunnier. <laughs> every year, I think February is going to my month. My month, the love month. I think it's going to be better. And it is. Right, it's I'll, not.
2: I'll leave you with one thing. So, uh, Lindy's in the building the other night, and I'm looking up at the banners, and I'm noticing. One division championship in 16 seasons.
1: This used to be
2: like they they'd win it five, six, seven times in a row.
1: Maybe that's coming.
2: They have one. Lindy has the one division championship for the Dallas Stars in the past 16 seasons. So it would be really nice to get another one. I guess that's my. Well, opinion.
1: that and then you you wanted to fight Rob Ray in the media room over the 99 Cup. <laughs> well, my money wrong. would have been on Rob Ray. Everybody's money I don't would know. have been. I had Sevi back. In the, yeah. Well, even Sevi was saying his money was going to be on Rob Ray. I yeah, he he was <laughs> well, look. Next time, next time, I'll promise I'll be sipping truly hard seltzers, and in doing so, representing the Podman Rush with sand between my toes somewhere, instead of risking life and limb to go outside in the icy Metroplex. You know what I mean? I do. Go to Florida. I hear it's nice this time. I got picked for the All-Star game. What am I supposed to do? That, and it is a sunny place for shady people. (laughs) Until then, a PSA for all of you.
0: Don't suck on yellow icicles. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Podman Rush with Daryl Razor Ray, presented by Truly Hard Seltzer, an official production of the Dallas Stars. To stay up to date on all things Stars, visit DallasStars.com or download the official Dallas Stars app today. You did it, Mike. Ben shoots, rebounds, scores. Stars fans, make DallasStars.com your only place for team news from veteran beat reporter Mike Heike. Exclusive behind-the-scenes content, highlights, and more. Good save. Was it ever What a shot. Plus, DallasStars.com is your one-stop shop to purchase verified tickets. Cheer on your favorite team all season long. Get in the game and visit DallasStars.com today.
2: It's a walk-off winner.